Welcome in to another edition of Hatter Chatter, the podcast presented by Insight Credit Union. I'm your host, Ricky Hazel, and I'm joined today by former Stetson Hatter and current PGA Tour professional golfer, Sam Ryder. Sam, welcome in. Hey, what's happening? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's great to have you on. So um, how's life on the PGA Tour these days? I mean, it's everybody sees the glitz and glamour and all the television, but man, it's a, it's got to be a grind out there. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely, uh, the, the first, the, the last thing I should say that I ever do is complain about my job because I love what I do. Oh, and it's the best. I wouldn't want to be doing anything else, but, um, there's definitely uh, a little bit of a misconception that it's all, you know, kind of the glamour and kind of the winning tournaments and sure. the highs and everything that you kind of see, but there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of, um, grind involved too and a lot of travel and a lot of time away from home and hotel rooms and you know eating out and you know things like i said i love what i do i wouldn't change it for anything um but yeah it's especially now after kind of with with what we have going on with you know the the lingering pandemic and kind of a different kind of a little different different atmosphere out there right now it's it's been interesting but you know i'm happy we're playing anyways so it's third year for you on the full-time pga tour what have you learned in those three years that have changed i mean your game is obviously it's always been great but i mean you got a 70.3 scoring average this year so you're obviously playing very well yeah i think a lot of it's just been maturing as as a as a person and as a golfer i think uh when i first you know, got out on tour. I I had the nice thing is the with the system that's in place now with with the Corn Ferry Tour. You know, mm-hmm. it was called Web.com when I was on it. Right. And, you know, going through the Canadian Tour, I basically went through all this ranking. You know, this ranking system of proving myself and proving that I was good enough to make it. So I think I had that validation when I got onto the tour. But even so, it's still it's like every level of golf I've ever played on. You know, uh, you have to see some results and you have to build confidence. And I did it, like I said, I did on the college level when I was at Stetson, Mm -hmm. you know, I had to learn how to win there and I had to do it on the the Canadian tour level. And then, you know, on the corn Ferry tour, and now I'm kind of going through that on the PJ tour. And I think, uh, looking back on my rookie year, I had, I had, uh, a struggle was just trying to feel like I needed to do something a little extra or a little different. Um, and I think, now being in my third year, I, I know my identity as a golfer. I, I know kind of where I stack up. It's not settling for mediocrity in any way, right. shape or form, but it's also just trying to be the best, best version of myself. I can possibly be not necessarily try and be someone that I'm not. So I think I've, I've kind of been able to learn some of that through trial and error, which is tough. I mean, you don't want to have to go through that, but you do, you, you know, you fail and you fall down and you get back up and, and you keep learning. So yeah, I think that's been the biggest takeaway is just kind of learning my identity and I'm, I'm trying to get better, like I said. So, but I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel, so to speak. Right. To me, it, it almost seems like until you get into that, I don't know if it's top 50, top 25, where you're comfortable and you're making major money, that it almost seems like you're like a gazelle on the plains of Africa. You're going along and you're beautiful and it's it's all going well, but there's a hyena or a lion behind every bush waiting to take you down. Yeah, there's no there's no security by any means in what we do. If I don't perform, then uh, there's someone that's right there that wants to take your spot. Like yeah. you said, the metaphor you know, with that lion or hyena, you know. So it's 
So there's really no time to ever get comfortable. Um, I, I think the nice thing is I've, I've, I've realized and I've proved that I am good enough to mm-hmm. myself more than anything else. Um, you know, I have not, I've not lost my card, you know, in these three years on tour, which is, well, you know, I can give myself a pat on the back for that, but that's sure. not kind of where I see myself in my career and kind of working into, into my prime right now as a golfer. And, you know, even though I'm 30 years old, I still feel because I started late in the game, I still feel like I have a lot of my best years ahead of me. I feel good physically. So, um, yeah, I think like you said, when you get into that top 50, you're playing the WGCs, all the majors, you have a little bit more security because you're, you know, you're on a little bit of that gravy train, so to speak. And, um, but when you're bouncing around a hundred or the, you know, 75 to 125 or 125 to 150, it's just, there's just so many good players and there's all Americans coming out of college every single year. And there's guys graduating off the corn Ferry tour. So, you know, there's really just, it's a, just the natural ebbs and flows of, of the tour. And, and, you know, you just always have to keep trying to stay healthy and stay sharp mentally and physically and, and try and get better because, you know, the game's been changing and guys are, guys are very good and they're ready to play right out of college. So I just have to, you know, kind of, kind of keep improving at the things I can do. And, and, you know, I think that that breakthrough kind of season is, is coming. It could happen next week. It could happen, you know, weeks from in a, month, a couple months, it could happen next year. Or, you know, I don't know when, but I know if I keep doing the things that I, that I know are right for me, um, it will happen. So I know you were out in Reno last week for the Barracuda championship, which is, I guess they use the stable for scoring system. So that's completely different. Talk a little bit about that tournament. You finished tied for 21st. So great finish. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I, I think all I, all I think about right now is the bogey I made on the last hole. Um, <laughs> But it was one of those weeks where I just felt like I was really close to, I was really close to getting hot and kind of breaking through. And I just never really had that like hot stretch. Right. You know, you kind of have to, you know, I played with Scott Stallings the first three days and he made, you know, a few Eagles, which give you five points. So that system is, a, it's a lot. It's a, it's a, you know, the, the birdies and the Eagles are way heavy, more heavily weighted than the bogeys. So, right. I, you know, out and if you make a if you make a bunch of birdies, you can sprinkle in some bogeys. It's not a one to one ratio like it would be if you're playing to par. Gotcha. You know, so if you can go there and make a bunch of birdies and play aggressive, and I just the putter just never really got hot. The greens were a little different for me. You know, playing you know growing up in Florida, playing Bermuda, I've always been a little bit more comfortable on Bermuda and maybe even bent a little bit. But you know, those were kind of bent Poana mix, and they weren't they were in bad shape, but it was just different. You know, and and I struggled a little bit on the greens, but all in all, I mean, I just feel, I feel really good about where my game's at. And I felt, I felt like, I felt like I, if I played the way I was supposed to, I would have had a good chance to, you know, get in contention. And I just, I just kind of got off to a slow start with a putter and, you know, that happens, but I'm happy, you know, I'm happy with the week all in all. After, after this season has kind of been strange for everybody and, and not just in golf, but in every sport because of the pandemic, how did that impact, um, your preparation and, and play for the season, how's it impacted all the guys out on the tour? Cause I mean, it, it, a lot of, you know, you were laid up for a while. Yeah. Uh, it, the, the crazy thing is, is we just never have a break that long. Um, especially a guy like me in my kind of category of, of where I've been on the FedEx cup, I play a lot of tournaments. I play sure. probably 30 events a year. So uh, I'm not playing the Brooks Kepka or Adam Scott schedule where they're playing 15, 18 times right. a year, you know, like Tiger always did. Um, but 
it's just hard because we were playing. I was, you know, I was in the players and we're, this is the meat of the season. This is Florida swing. This is where I want my game kind of rounding into form and peaking almost and, and trying to play my best golf. And then it's like, boom, just like that, you're done. Mm -hmm. And in reality, and you know, the way I looked at it, it, it was really, it was really good in a way because it allowed me to kind of take a step back and take those few weeks off that I just, my body doesn't really get. And I was able to take a step back because I, I, at that time, I really wanted to work on some things with my swing and my game and just kind of getting back to some of the things, you know, with my coach that I was doing in the past, you know, when I was number one in ball striking my rookie year, just trying to get, I think I fell into a trap of trying to do some different things. And I think that break, speaking of that, kind of intermission so to speak. like it was just like uh it was, I was able to hit the reset button kind of and uh mm-hmm. and I think everyone's just had a lot of energy because they know once we restart these tournaments that don't necessarily have the biggest or best fields have had really good fields and really right. full field quality players playing um because it just shows everyone wants to play and mm-hmm. we still have a playoff and there's still a lot of money up for grabs you know so guys know this this kind of sprint to the finish line for the FedEx cup playoffs before this major season that we have right now is, you know, it could be massive, you know, for my career. Right. And I, if I feel like I, you know, have some good finishes or can go, you know, a little deeper into the playoffs with this shortened season season, it could really propel me to some good play in the fall and then, you know, into next year. So, um, yeah, just, it was, it was kind of, it had its pluses. It was nice for, for me who has to travel over 30 weeks a year to be able to be home. Um, but after, trust me, after two months or so, <laughs> I was ready to get out there and, and I was chomping at the bit. So I think everyone's kind of in the same boat for the most part. And I think a lot of guys really enjoy time home with family, you know, whether they have wife, kids at home and right. stuff like that. So it was an opportunity, really a positive out of a negative situation for a lot of the golfers because they don't really necessarily get that time. Um, so, you know, I appreciate it the same way, but I'm, you know, full speed ahead right now. And I know how big this could be for me. And I'm just excited for, you know, what's to come. I'm bummed. I'm not playing this week, but, um, happy, you know, that I'm in good position to really make a push in the playoffs right now. Insight Credit Union is a proud partner of Stetson University Athletics. Insight has been bringing better banking to Central Florida for nearly 85 years. Insight Credit Union is your local go-to for lower rates on auto and other loans, credit cards, and more. Insight Credit Union and you, better together. So when you're home, what's your home course and how much time do you spend working on your game just from a practice standpoint? How much time do you spend actually playing? Uh... I probably, you know, I, I, I try and split it up, you know, pretty equally, but I usually, when I get home, like for instance, coming all the way from California, it was really hard. I couldn't get out Sunday night. I'd like to get out on a Sunday night and get in my bed on Sunday if that's possible. Mm -hmm. That wasn't possible. There were no red eyes or anything like that. So yesterday was an all day wash travel day for me. And today, you know, I was back in the gym with my trainer. I'll train every day of the week really when I'm here, I'm not necessarily doing the most intense workouts ever. It just kind of fluctuates uh, depending on what's going on with the season. But, you know, and I let the professionals, you know, ha- handle that and mm-hmm. he knows what's for me. And, you know, I, but that's kind of the most consistent thing is the training, you right. know, physically. Um, and then 
I usually will, I usually will take off Monday and Tuesday, I would say right. from swinging. And then by Wednesday I'm practicing. And then, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's plan, you know, I usually hit some balls a little bit early in the week mm-hmm. and then I'm trying to play more later in the week. So usually Wednesday, Thursday, it might be more practice and I'll do a lot of short game work, putting and hitting on the range. And then by Friday, Saturday, when I'm getting ready to go for a tournament, I want to be able to take that stuff to the course and play as much as I can and try and feel like, you know, I'm confident, you know, going out and hitting shots. And when you talk about working out, how much of your workout routine is strength and conditioning? How much of it is, is uh, cardio? How much of it is flexibility? Cause that's gotta be a big one. Yeah, I think, uh, it's, it's kind of rolled into one for me. Uh, I really don't, I really don't do any kind of cardio stuff. I know you've seen a lot of guys over the break. We're doing Peloton and things like mm-hmm. that. You know, I, I, I don't run, I don't do any kind of jogging. You know, if I do, it's rare and it's not really for golf. It's just for, you know, maybe my headspace. but my stuff is usually as I've, you know, as I've gotten older, it's been a lot bit, it's a, a lot more focused around, staying health healthy and longevity in right. the game you know? and it's a combination so you talk about that you know i'm everything i'm doing it's kind of a it's more of a circuit kind of training i'm doing there's more of a core and, and balance element to every exercise i'm not necessarily loading a bunch of weight on my back to sure. squat and try and build you know the biggest quads and, and hammies i can build right. i'm maybe doing it on a single leg on an unstable surface holding dumbbells in my arms or something to make it harder and, and activating all those little muscles that are important in the golf swing. And, and you see the guys now, you see guys, you know, what Tiger basically did change in the game. You see guys like Brooks, you see Dustin, you know, mm-hmm. Rory, the, the, the shape that he's gotten in, you know, all the games change and you have to be strong. So it's really a combination of, of kind of all those things. And, and a lot of it is just a lot of its strength, but there's always going to be an element of, you know, with my body, what, where's the weakest link and what are the things that are going to be holding me back physically? And it's all about just trying to stay as balanced as possible because with golf, it's, it's a one way sport. I'm, right. good, I'm just swinging. I'm right hand golfer. I'm swinging, I'm pulling with my left and, and I'm pushing with my right. So a lot of it is just trying to get that symmetry back and balance because, you know, if you, if you don't do some of those things in the gym, you're not going to be able to, you know, recreate that out on the golf course i know the biggest problem a lot of golfers have as they get older is they have back issues how do you how do you protect your back how do you maintain you know coming from somebody who's had back surgery i understand the the difficulties that causes i mean if you can't twist and turn and and generate power you can't play yeah i was just talking about that with with my trainer today, actually, because he got, he actually randomly, I'm not promoting anything, but he got one of these inversion tables, you know, I'm right. sure you know what that is. Yeah. Got one of those and he said it's really decompressed his spine. But that's one thing Tiger's talked about too, is, is loading that weight on your back. It's just, you know, you're just compressing your mm-hmm. spine so much and adding the rotation. It's just, you're bound to have disc issues and things like that. You know, knock on wood, I've been fortunate that I haven't really had issues with my back, you know, but, um, it's really just trying to, that's the thing when you see, I, I wouldn't sit here and criticize a guy like Bryson or, or someone else maybe that is swinging really hard out of control, but it's like, you, you, you just wonder how long can your body sure. withstand. So 
he's the kind of guy that leaves no stone unturned when it comes to studying everything. And he's built a foundation, I think, physically where he feels like he can withstand that kind of torque. But it's like anything. It's like it's like a pitcher, you know. How long can your arm withstand a throwing a hundred mile an hour fastball? Like it's just your anatomy is just not built to do that forever. So I mean, you can do things to counteract that and strengthen all the muscles around those ligaments and things. But you know, when it comes to your back, it's it's really just trying to, you know, like I said, do do as much as the strengthening I can without really trying to put a lot of pressure on my spine so that I know when I'm swinging, I'm not necessarily trying to win long drive contests. I'm trying to, you know, be as efficient as I possibly can and, you know, not put any undue stress on my body. And my practice regimens change to reflect that. I, I, you know, I don't have issues physically, but I want to be able to play into the champions tour, you know, for years to come. So you're not going to be able to do that if you're, if you're, you know, if you're pounding balls and, and I'm hitting balls like this is my last season, you know, mm-hmm. of my life I'm ever going to play. So it's just, re, you know, there's a fine line between wanting to be prepared and, and, and overworking. So just trying to find that balance. It's another thing going back to, you know, learning, you know, I didn't think that way when I was in college or, you know, necessarily on, you know, the Canadian or, or the web.com tour, or, you know, now corn Ferry. I, it was all about just trying to get to where you're at. And now it's about trying to be able to stay, get better, but also stay where you are and stay healthy. You mentioned earlier that it's coming into quote unquote major season kind of for the tour this year. You got the PGA championship this week. You still have the U S open to come and the masters to come in the next what five or six weeks. Um, I kind of want to try to get an understanding of, I looked at the rankings, you're 85th in FedEx Cup points. You're 114th on the money list. You're not in the 156 or 8 man field for the PGA Championship. I know they reserve like 20 spots for for, uh, pros, you know, uh, course pros in the field. And I'm sure there's some spots available for past winners and those kind of things. But you'd think if you're 85th in FedEx Cup points, you'd be able to get in, but I, I don't know how that works. So the, so the answer there is that the PGA, because it's not the PGA really is the PGA of America is totally separate from the PGA tour. Right. You know, they work in conjunction as does, you know, but all these majors, you know, they have, they are separate entities from the tour. So the PGA of America, they do their ranking system on, and they have, I honestly don't even know some of the exemptions that they have, mm-hmm. but like you said, 20 or so PGA pros. So their spots. And then they have, it could be things like finish top five at the players championship or finish, you know, top five at the masters for the last 10 years, or I don't even, I'm just making right, things right, up. Right. But then the, but the raw, um, but the raw kind of list that they will go down when they're filling the field is a money. It's a money from PGA to PGA. So it's not a FedEx Cup base. So mm-hmm. last year, PGA Bethpage to, you know, the 3M Open. And right. it's their own money. It's no FedEx. It's nothing FedEx. Gotcha. And so for, for a guy like me, I made, you know, a lot of my money in points in the fall of last season, right. my second on tour. So, you know, I finished third at Shriners and I finished fourth at, in Napa, this was all before that was that season, mm-hmm. but that was for the PGA. So I was in the PGA at Beth page, which unfortunately I had to withdraw because I was hurt at the time, but 
even though my, you know, my FedEx Cup ranking may be higher than certain guys, they may have made more monetarily between the the PGA bet page and this right. PGA. Yeah, so, and it just kind of I was I was just kind of looking at it because I mean I compared you to I pulled up four names: Rory Sabatini, Justin Rose, Sergio Garcia, and Zach Johnson. And you're higher on the FedEx points and higher on the money list than all of those guys. Yeah, they're all in the tournament and you're not. Right. Yeah. Which is so like Zach, he might still have exemptions from Masters. Mm -hmm. I don't even. I really don't know. I mean, you're Um, you're higher than him in the world rankings as well. But yeah, being a Masters champion, that may you know. Yeah. So that, but generally speaking, it's it's a money list, and I really don't concern myself over too much with any of that stuff Mm -hmm. because once you start doing that, you're just going to, you're going to be, you know, the old saying is they just say play better. Right. That's what they just say play better. So that's kind of my attitude about it. And I, and it is a bummer and there's nothing worse than watching a major from your, from your couch because I, there's, that was my immediate goal was to try and, you know, I had a good week at work day that really propelled me a lot. And I had, you know, I had my game was trending in the right direction and just had a bad Thursday at 3M. And I knew if I had a good week, I could have done that. And that was my goal, but it didn't happen. So, you know, it just, it's going to be, it's just going to be, you know, make me that much hungrier for the next one. And also, you know, hungry for the playoffs. And I'm going to have, now I'm going to have coming off of a solid week in, in Reno, I'm going to have a week of rest and practice, practice and be able to go to Wyndham and go into the playoffs fresh and, and feel like I can make a push. So. That's kind of my attitude moving forward. Geico offers a special discount on car insurance to Stetson alumni. Just visit geico.com to get a free quote and select Stetson alum to see how much you can save. Don't drop the ball when it comes to saving money. Contact Geico today. Now, the U.S. Open is completely different because it's run by the USGA. And and so how you get into that field is completely different. So where are you? In regards to the U.S. Open, I know you've played in it before. So the U.S. Open is going to be – the U.S. Open, honestly, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit I don't know too much about that either. But it's, they're going to have exemptions based on – they've announced all this, and it's they, – they go down to a certain point on FedEx Cup. Right. So they – so it's not going to be a money list the same way. And they're going to have world – rank. they're going to have a world ranking – expanded world ranking list too. Mm-hmm. So the PGA – what they also did was they went, they used to have top whatever it was in the world and they expanded that to top 100 in the world. Right. So that brings in more guys internationally. Sure. Um, that's been an argue. That's been kind of something guys that have play, been playing on the PJ tour haven't loved, you know, because it's hard. You look at my world ranking, it's outside the top 200, you know, and I've kept my card every year on tour and I've had, you know, X amount of top tens or whatever. And it's, and you know, there's, it's just hard, you know, and they're mm-hmm. trying to look at that and they're trying to, because you want, they want to really expand the game, you know, globally too. But it's right. like, just because, just because, you know, these many guys are playing on the PGA tour. It's like, there's a reason why all these guys playing in Europe, you know, make the transition over here too. It's, right. you know, it's because it's the premier tour in the world. But I think to answer the question, I think the U S I think the, U.S. Open is going around like top 70 on FedEx Cup at the end of the playoffs. Okay. So if I get – basically, I think if I get into the second playoff event at Chicago at mm-hmm. – I think it's at Olympia Fields or something. Okay. Then 
that'll basically get me into the U.S. Open. But like I said, I'm not, I'm just trying to really just focus on just trying to play as well as I can right now and then let those chips kind of fall where they may because that's out of my control and assert, you know, it's in my control and I control my own destiny, but I can't control what, you know, what they decide with exemptions. So all I can do is just try and play as, as well as I can. And, and I love to be playing at Wingfoot. That would be awesome. So yeah. um, Wingfoot in the fall sounds like a pretty, pretty, pretty special place. So I, it would, it's going to be a great test. And I, and that's definitely a goal of mine is to get into that. So looking at the schedule coming up, you got Wyndham next week in Greensboro, which I assume you're in. Yes. Yeah, so you're playing that. Then the Northern Trust, that's not part of the FedEx Cup, or is it? That is first. Yes, that is the first FedEx Cup event. Northern Trust but, is because the dates are – the Wyndham is first. Okay, Wyndham is pre-FedEx Cup. Okay. The Wyndham is the last regular season event. Gotcha, gotcha. Then you got the Northern the, Trust in Boston. and then yes, that's the first playoff event. And then Olympia Fields is the second. Right. And then East Lake Tour Championship is the third. So how well do you have to do with the Northern Trust to get into the to the one in Olympia? I just have to be top 70 on FedEx. So that okay. could happen, you know, I'm within striking distance right now. So if I have a good week at Wyndham, you know, that helps a lot. And then with the with the points are weighted a lot more heavily uh, in the, these playoff events. So if I have a good week at Northern Trust, you know, like I knew on – I knew – we used to have four events. Now there's three. Right. So when I was playing my first FedEx playoffs, my rookie year at Ridgewood in New Jersey, I pretty much knew I had talked with a tour. Okay. Where, where do I need to finish basically to get myself into Boston, which was the second playoff event at the time. It right. went from 125 to 100. And they kind of told me like, if he finishes top 30, that should pretty much give him enough points to be able to move on. And I finished like 26 mm. and, ended up finishing 101. So I didn't make it. So there's really like, so that's kind of goes back to my point of not getting overly too concerned with the numbers like that, because I mean, I knew I needed base. I basically knew I needed to make birdie on 18, which was good to know because I could have just tried to play for par if I knew that would have been good enough, you know? So it was good to know, but you know, I ended up making birdie and still didn't get in. So, um, really just, you know, there's no, it's not perfect. So it's really just going to be about me. Just, I, I want to just go out and, and get off to a good start and try and get in contention at Wyndham and then just, you know, let things take care of themselves. And then the tour championship is September 4th through 7th. That's in Atlanta. And that's really the yes. wrap up to the 1920 season. And then the yep. U.S. Open and the Masters are all 2021 season. So there'll be two Masters in 2021 and two U.S. Opens in 2021. Right. I don't, you know, I think technically these ones are going to be, they're not going to be reflected on, they're not going to be reflected on the PGA tour right, FedEx, right. but they are, it's going to be the 2020 masters, you know, mm-hmm. they're just rescheduling it later. It's right. just not going to have that effect on the playoffs. Like it would typically have. So, so, so obviously the ultimate objective is to, to win your first event and get in the masters, which would be, you know, that would be the, the crowning achievement yeah. for this point of your career. That yeah. would be, yeah, that would be, that would be ideal. That's something that's always, I like, I know a couple of years ago I was, I finished fourth at Houston. And I, at that point I was really just trying to, you know, focused on trying to keep my car. Right. I hadn't had a great year to that point. And then, you know, I was in the final group on Saturday and then I was in one of the last groups on Sunday playing with, playing with Cooch. And I'm like, 
crap, if I win this week, I'm in the Masters next week. That was when Houston was always – the Shell Houston Open was always the week before the Masters. Right. Now it's the Open and it's, it's different. It's a different date. But, yeah, that's something that guys – you know, I haven't played Augusta National and I don't plan on playing it unless I'm playing in the Masters, you know. So um, that's something that's always in the back of my head. And, and when I'm going out and trying to win a golf tournament – I'm not specifically doing it because I want to get into the masters, sure. but when I sign my scorecard on 18 and I'm, and things are starting to kind of sink in, uh, that's going to be one of the first things I think about, no doubt about mm-hmm. it, because that's, that's a dream of everyone, you know, cause that's kind of the, it's always been kind of the, the Mecca of sure. golf. I was especially growing up kind of in the Southeast. And you were close in 18. You got a second at John Deere. And then this year you were tied for third at Puerto Rico, so you've been right there at the at the cusp of it. Yeah, it'll happen. We're just there was no just question; gotta, it's going to happen. That's gotta, for sure. What I'm doing. <laughs> so after after all those events are over with, there's a bunch of tournaments in the Dominican Republic and Korea and Japan and China and Bermuda, and it's kind of I don't know if you call it the silly season or whatever, where it's all over the world. How much of that do you plan on doing this year? Because you miss so much during the summer. There are going to be some there are going to be some moving parts and I don't think a lot of that still is going to be depending on what's going on with the world and, and sure. this pandemic. So I'm not, I'm really not getting too far ahead of myself there, but a lot of it's, a lot of it's going to be dependent on how I finish up this year. This, this, I keep saying this year, mm-hmm. but it's, it's the season. It's the PGA tour season. Right. So if, if I finish, if I finish top 70, it gets me into a bunch of invitationals. It gets you into the Asia events, you know, some of these bigger events. Um, if you get to the tour championship, then it gets you in all the majors. It's so you just, you'd be picking your schedule. You know, if I end up finished, if I end up getting bounced at, you know, the first playoff event, I'll probably play a lot of those tournaments because I'm going to be back to playing a lot of the tournaments that, you know, I get in and, and taking the opportunities that I have because of, if you don't finish, you know, top 70 or so in the FedEx cup, you don't get into some of those big no cut events over in Asia mm-hmm. and guys go over and, play, and guys play those because, you know, it's, it's free money and it's free points and mm-hmm. they're good events and there's no cut. So it's like, it's just kind of a no brainer. Right. Um, so a lot of that to answer your question is going to be dependent on how I finish up this season. And then when I kind of take a one week breath, you know, if we even have that, then mm-hmm. I'll, try and assess this. It's just a moving target at sure, all times. Sure. So, and I'm talking with, you know, my agent manager and stuff like that and my coach and my caddy and trying to figure out what it's going to be the best because it's not always the best thing to just play, 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 because, you know, you, we have to take breaks, you know, even though there mm-hmm. are tournaments every week, you have to, you have to do whatever. And, and that's a recipe that I'm still learning is what is best for, for myself and my body physically and, and mentally. So um, that's, that, you know, I have a better idea now, but I'm not, I haven't been doing it as long as Tiger where he knows what he plays every sure. single year, year in and year out. So. And the master, kind of, Masters is not until November. So it's, there's plenty of opportunity still. I assume everything between now and then a win gets you yeah. in, right? Yep. So yep. The plenty of, plenty of chances to, you know, if exactly. you, if you feel like you're ready to go to Bermuda and, and win a tournament, then you go win it to get the Masters. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> 
Show your Stetson spirit and get your green on with officially licensed tees, sweats, hoodies, and more. Go to www.shopgohatters.com. All your Hatters gear is just a click away. Visit www.shopgohatters.com today. You know, how, I, know you, I know you didn't start out as a golfer. You played baseball, you played basketball, you played football. How... For younger players who don't necessarily do that, how important was that for your competitiveness and your physicality to play other sports? They maybe help get you ready to to play, you know, and be competitive at golf. Yeah, I think it made me a lot, uh, a lot more well-rounded athlete just in general. And I always kind of had a knack for golf, but uh, you know, sports has kind of been my whole life really since mm. I, you know, since I could walk around, you know, I was always playing, I was always throwing something. I was always trying to hit something. I was always, you know, right. running around, you know, and I think, uh, with golf, I think guys, you know, can get a little bit one dimensional, but I mean, I, I would never say that people need to do it the way that I've done it or, you know, guys need to do it because look at a guy like, you know, like tiger, you know, the guy played golf since he could walk, right. you know, and, and, how he was bred and, and Rory was the same way, but you also have guys like, you know, Dustin Johnson, you know, who was, who could do, you know, he probably could have played division one sports doing whatever, right. you know? So for me personally, it was the best and not just for golf, but just for my life. I think it was just the best thing for, for me as a person and getting, to, and getting to be in the clubhouse with guys and getting to learn how to work with, with people and, I've related that to everything that I've done. Um, and that's the beautiful thing of, about playing kind of college golf at Stetson is you, you do have a team and you, mm. you have these guys and you're working towards the similar goal and golf really isn't like that, right. you know, as sport, it's very, in, you know, it's all about you. It's just mm-hmm. your the individual sport and it's, it's kind of like tennis in that sense. But, um, you know, it's hard to quantify how much maybe these these sports helped me or didn't help me. Right. Um, I know there's certain things that I do with my golf swing that my coach will tell me are direct, directly related to my baseball background. Sure. You know, the way I in the club is related to the patterns that I developed as a baseball player, mm-hmm. you know, throwing, hitting things like that. Um, you know, I always, I think when I, when I made the transition from, baseball, primarily baseball, you know, I played basketball in high school early too, but I was more focused on baseball. And really my transition was a product of me being a late bloomer physically. I wasn't maturing as fast as some of these other uh, guys physically. And I just like now I'm 6'2", 175 pounds. When I was, you know, a freshman or sophomore in high school, I was five foot four, you know, buck 20, maybe, you know, I was tiny, you know? So I just, if I, maybe if I had been bigger and more mature, I may have kept playing. I don't know, but, but I do know that I'm, I'm glad it worked out the way it did and, and I wouldn't change it for the world. And, um, it's been, it's been a fun ride. And I think I encourage everyone, you know, I don't know the, I'm not a parent. I would never tell one how to raise their kids or, or what to do. But all I can say is from my personal experience, and I would say, encourage your, encourage them to do whatever, they want athletically mm-hmm. and don't try and get into too much of a box at, at such an early age. I mean, it's tough when you're playing sports like, you know, high level hockey or something where it's like, you have to be in the premier junior program when you're 
12 or 13 years old. I don't know anything about that. I didn't play. I didn't do that. But, you know, typically it's just like if you become, you know, I wouldn't have gone, maybe I wouldn't have gone to Stetson, you know, and had some of the best four years of my life if I, if I had been more serious about golf, you know, from the come up, you know, maybe I would have got a bigger division one scholarship, but you know, I, I think it worked, it all worked out the way it was supposed to work out. And I got to go to, I got to go to Stetson. I got to develop my game and, and become number one, one golfer on the team and develop confidence. And it just, you know, it couldn't have been, it couldn't have worked out better for my development. Right. Um, put it that way. So I think, you know, that's, that's kind of my two cents about it all. I know a lot of the players that I see coming in now to college, golf is the only sport they play, you know, nothing else in high school. I've got a, I've got a buddy who uh, has a 13 year old son and all he plays is golf. That's the only sport he plays, and he's 13 years old. He played basketball till he was about 10, but now it's golf, yep. and he plays golf practically every day. It's yep. all he does. And, and, you know, you worry about a kid that's 13 years old that all he does is one thing. And at some point, he's going to burn out before he gets to the point where he knows if he's really going to be any good. Yeah, it's hard. To, it's hard to. Yeah, you also you have that burnout factor, which is kind of just your your general love for the game. Mm-hmm. You know, and I faced a little bit of that with baseball. Sure. I kind of lo- lost that love for mm-hmm. going to practice. I've never lost that with golf, I, you know, and certain guys probably don't, you know, and I think, you know, it's, it's hard to say it's, there's no real like formula for that, but I, I, it's just hard also to blame too when a guy, when, if your son just wants to play golf, like how do you say, like do something else, you know? Yeah. And if he, and also the hardest thing is that guys are committing to schools at such a young age. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you have to be so specialized at the age of 13 or 14 or 15. It's like, and if you, and if you're not, then you're getting passed by. Sure. Um, and I think that's also another good thing about golf is the fact that you don't have to go to Florida or, you know, Ohio state or whatever to get drafted. And, and, you know, if you are good enough, like you can play and if you shoot the score, mm-hmm. no one's going to tell you that you're not good enough. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, it's all about just, it's all about you and it's all about shooting the number. So yeah, it's, it's, it's hard for me because I watched some of those guys and I passed so many of them, you know, sure, almost all the guys I played with in high school, you know, and it's like, these are the guys that I always thought were, were the cream of the crop. And that's who I wanted. I looked up to and aspired to, but whether it was a burnout situation or whether they just maxed out their potential right. at a young age. Right. I mean, I don't know. Um, because that's also a factor. It's like, you have these guys that are really refined golfers, but is where's their ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to see guys that have a high ceiling for growth and, and I think that's kind of the way I was when I got to college. I wanted to get better and I had a high ceiling because I was kind of an untapped source and I didn't really have, I didn't really know golf. I didn't have a high golf IQ at the time. So I, you know, there's so many different factors there, but there's really no right or wrong. I would say it's just, I just know from my personal experience, I, I, I loved playing everything and I loved all sports and I still watch all sports. So I, would always encourage people to just do everything they can, you know, as long as they enjoy it, do it. If you don't enjoy it, then no sense in doing it. That was one of the things I had down to ask you. I, I know you played baseball and basketball and, and even football earlier on. So who are your, who are your favorite teams? Do you follow pro sports and you have teams that you cheer for? Well, really, uh, 
you know, really my growing up in Orlando, the team that I liked the most really growing up was the magic. Sure. I mean, that was the only professional sports team that we really had in Orlando. Now they have the Orlando city soccer team, which has been a huge hit. But I remember some of my, some of my best earliest memories were going to magic games with my dad, you know, when I was a little kid, mm-hmm. um, loved watch like back in the shack pity days. So yeah. I grew up on the magic and we had some lows, a lot of lows, a couple highs, but mostly <laughs> lows. Um, but magic have probably been my number one team. And then right there with them would probably be the Braves. I always grew up watching the Braves. I was a huge Braves fan too. And loved chipper. I was yeah. kind of a, a witch hitter growing up. I loved, you know, I loved, you know, all the pitchers on the team, you know, during the, during the Maddox and Glavin. And, you know, I remember trying to impersonate, you know, Greg Maddox and my dad would tell me and tell me to try and field my position like Maddox. Cause he won like every gold glove every yeah. single year. You know? And I wasn't striking many guys out. So I needed to feel my, field my position. But, uh, <laughs> but I kind of, now I've, de- I've adopted the Jags. I think a little bit living up in North Northeast Florida, Everyone really loves the Jags up here and they're fun to pull for because being in Orlando, I was kind of torn between them all. And my dad uh, was never a massive sports fan for he. My dad grew up in Georgia, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't a huge Falcons fan. Really? He, his dad pulled more for his dad was from Northern California. So they pulled more for kind of the giants and, and the Niners and stuff like that. So my dad was kind of, doing his own thing for the most part. So I've, I've had an opportunity to kind of develop whatever, whatever I liked. Um, but I'm, I'm one of those guys that's pretty loyal to, I don't, I'm not a big fan of cheering for a team just because you like them or because you like a couple players. If if you're in a certain city, that's your team, Mm -hmm. you know, go support your local team, you know, support the local economy. And, and I get it. If you're, I get it if your family's from Chicago and they moved down to Orlando, so you're a Bears fan because they grew up going to Bears games. That's that's a whole other story. Yeah. Um, but for for me, it's just been I kind of I pulled for the Bucks a little bit because they're there. And even when I was in college and I did and we didn't have a football team at the time, I would pull for Florida, Florida State. My sister went to Miami. I would kind of pull for because I had friends that went to all those schools. Sure. So I was like. I had ties at all those. So I kind of would pull for all those. I pulled for Georgia. My dad went to Georgia. So I don't, I've never been because of, because I went to Stetson and we didn't have a football team at the time. Right. I had never been really die hard with football one way or another. Um, but I would say the magic, the short answer is the magic and the Braves have kind of been my two teams that I followed the most, you know, throughout my life. I imagine sure. there'll be a bunch of folks in central Florida jumping on the Bucks bandwagon this year with Tom Brady there now. Yeah. I, I can already see a lot of my friends from the Northeast that are like almost following Tom. I mean, you don't do that if you're a Pats fan because you, the Pats have such a loyal fan base, right. you know, they're hard, but they, they love Tom Brady so much. Everyone that's grown up with kind of my age through this Tom Brady era, but that sure. we've got all those rings. Like it, it's, they're not, it's not like a LeBron situation where LeBron leaves Cleveland and they are burning his Jersey right. and they hate him. They can't, the people of New England, you know, they Tom they, Brady they would never forever. Do that. they would never do that. No. You know, he's he is God and he is the goat, so to speak, for for football for them. So like they, you know, they're gonna pull for the Bucks too a little bit. Yeah, you know, well, he's he's their Ted Williams for for football. I mean, he's he really is. He's the guy. He really yeah. is. And it, it, he's it's like you either love him or you hate him, mm-hmm. and that's how all greats are. 
you know? Yeah, that's absolutely. Kind of a compliment. To be hated by people is, is a compliment because that means you're doing something right and you're beating a lot of people. Imageworks is your one-stop corporate identity shop. Find everything you need for your business from printing, apparel, signs, vehicle graphics, promotional products, and much more. Imageworks is a proud sponsor of The Hatters. So I know when you played baseball, you were a left-handed hitter and you're a right-handed swinger in golf. How the heck does that happen? Yeah. So when I was originally, when I was, a when I was young, I was originally a right-handed hitter naturally uh-huh. and I right-handed and my dad, uh, my dad actually encouraged me to, to switch it. Okay. Um, and I told you, I was like, I love chipper, I yeah. love, but I just grew, I kind of, the, the thing about it was I was good. I was pretty good from both sides, but when you're young, you're facing way more righties. Mm-hmm. So I was really just getting way more reps from the left side. Um, so I really just like, if I picked up a bat now, I would, you know, and then went to the batting cages, I would swing lefty, you know, all day because that just became way more natural. And then when I went to high school, my coach, uh, my coach on the baseball team, you know, he was like, look, you're not good enough to, to be getting double reps from both sides. So you got to pick a side basically. And he, and they kind of encouraged me to just be a lefty, but I, I kind of grew up as a switch hitter really my whole life. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to high school, I was, you know, I, I really just hit lefty. I didn't face my first, I didn't face my first lefty as a left-handed hitter probably until I was a sophomore, you know, and that was very different, but no one was throwing anything super nasty at me where, you know, I had to deal with it too much, but mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it worked out like pretty good for for my golf is because it didn't really it didn't really conflict with my golf swing a whole lot, you know. So my right handed swing, the amazing thing, I, I really had minimal pop as a baseball player. I was always a really skilled infielder, skilled defensive player. I played all over, and I was a very good hitter, good hand eye, and always put the bat on the ball. And never struck out, but I just didn't have a lot of pop and with golf, I've always kind of had way more speed from the right for, as a golfer from the right side. I don't know just the way the force is generated, but I've just, yeah, it's just kind of how it's been for me. So there's, I know, I know there's a technical answer there that I I have, but I know about the golf swing technically, but I don't know as much about the baseball swing technically, but I know there's a lot of parallels. So I'm clearly doing something from the left side in baseball that I don't do when I golf. Um, so that's kind of the story behind that. But so I know you've, you've been focused on your career ever since you left Stetson and, and, and focus has always got to be forward and, and to the next thing and getting ready. And, but have you ever had time to take, take stock and look back? I mean, Stetson sports hall of fame last week, you're named to the ASUN all decade team or two weeks ago, I guess the ASUN all decade team. Yeah. I mean, you won an ASUN championship. Um, have you, have you had a chance to reflect on what you were able to accomplish during your college career? Not a lot, honestly. Um, you know, Jeff Altier called me a couple of years ago when when they were inducting me into the Hall of Fame, and unfortunately, it was the same week as is the Shriners. Um, right. PJ Tour was my rookie year, and I I couldn't be there. Um, but that was a huge honor to me, and that really made me really think about kind of the career I had. And I'm just thankful for for Coach Weichel. You know, Bob Weichel mm-hmm. who recruited me 
brought me in, who, who brought me in, who was there for 50 years or so, who I still talk to, you know, he's, he's, you know, been a huge person in my life and sure. really like, really just like a grandfather to me. You know, I lost, a, I lost kind of my grandparents on both sides fairly young. And he, by the time I was in college, he was kind of the, the only thing I had there. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I just, I'm more so just thankful for everything, the way it happened. And, and when I look at some of the numbers, when they did kind of write that article about it, I know my dad texted me and he was like, man, I kind of, he's like, I, I kind of, forgot how good of a career you had, mm-hmm. you know, cause I had top tens and over half of my co- collegiate events. And right. I had the three lowest scoring averages of all time at Stetson, right. you know, and, and that stuff really like, and I was never concerned with that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I was never focused on that. I was just always focused on just trying to be as good as I could be and just try and get better because I saw my goals past that, you right. know? Um, and I think, yeah, it's, 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 it kind of does take me back a little bit and I, and I really am very appreciative and, and I'm just thankful and I want to see, I want to see the boys do well. And I talked to Larry Watson and, mm-hmm. and, and Larry, you know, and I'd love to come see the guys and, and I've been in touch with a number of the guys, you know, throughout my career now who have reached out to me and, sure. and seen some of the I was at tournaments or, or then coming into town here. So, um, that's kind of, yeah. It's, I'm really, I'm just really lucky that I was able to be in that situation to, to have success. And when I was a freshman, I had some great upperclassmen that kind of molded me too, who I'm still really good friends with. And yeah, I, I don't really know how, why or how it happened the way it happened, but, um, with the amount of his, with the amount of history that Stetson has as a school right. and how old it is, um, I'm pretty proud of some of those, some of those kind of records and stuff because you know, they do mean, they do mean a lot to me. And, and I would love to see some guys break some of those records and, and have success to do that. But, um, but yeah, it's been, it was just a huge point in my career and, and gave me so much confidence moving forward. Well, I know just looking back at the numbers, you averaged 75.1 your freshman year. And in the first round of your sophomore year, you shoot a 66 and then go on to 71.9 that year. What was the, I mean, was it just the growth you made during that first year or was there a, was there a switch that got flipped? There, you know, that's also a question I get a lot, but there wasn't a switch. Honestly, I, I started putting a lot better and I think I really just got more consistent because my freshman year, I, your freshman year in college, man, I was 18, 19 years old. Sure. Like I, I mean, I was always crazy about golf and passion and competitive as an athlete, but I didn't know who I was as a person. I was changing my major. I was, I didn't know, you know, I went from kind of a pre-med track to basically switching to the business school. And, you know, it was, there was just so many different factors going on. And I wasn't, I think a lot of it was credited to just kind of settling in. And I decided one of the biggest points in my career was when I switched my major, because when I went to Stetson, I, my dad's a dentist and I always kind of assumed I was like, well, I'll just do what my dad does. You know, I'll take over his practice. And that was kind of just my easy, like, you know, and then I was a good student in high school, but that's just a whole other beast of, of classes. You know, I'm taking calc two and I'm taking, you know, bio and chemistry and all these things. And, and I could have done them. And I, and, and I, I was, I would have 
been able to do it, but I would have had to put golf kind of to the side and I would have had to really focus on my school and I wasn't ready to do that. And I had conversations with my dad and with my family. And I said, look, my dream is to play professional golf and play on the PJ tour. And I want to, and I want to pursue that. So I kind of found, you know, not to knock the business school. That's not a slight to that at all. Um, because I, we have a great finance program there, but changing, changing my major and really, I just made my focus about trying to be, become the best golfer I could be while maintaining my grades, you know, because I was, I was still able to be an academic all American. I didn't, I still got good grades, but I really was focused on, I got my schoolwork done to get it done. And then I went to the course. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the biggest Cause I just was clear. I was just clear on what I wanted. And then I really just started putting a lot better too. Like I just, my put, the putter saved me. So instead of shooting 69 and then 79, I would, you know, shoot 69, 73, you know, when right. I had a bad day. Right. So my bad rounds got a lot better and my good rounds were, you know, still good. Our local bottler, Coca-Cola Beverages Florida, is a proud sponsor of Stetson Athletics. They make sure you have the perfect addition to any game day, the refreshing taste of an ice-cold Coke. Stetson Athletics and Coke Florida, a winning combination. So what do you think the new Edinger practice facility is going to mean for this program? Because obviously if you had that available at your time, you would have been able to go right there and hit balls and putt and whatever without having to go to a golf course. So what do you think it's going to mean for the players now in this program to have that facility available to them. Yeah, they've been, it's been awesome that they've, you know, been able to get the funding to be able to do that. And I hope it, I, and I hope, uh, I hope it really has a positive impact and I hope it helps recruiting too. You know, I hope it allows them to, you know, because so much has changed with recruiting too. We had one and a half scholarships when I was, when I was a freshman at school for the whole team, you know, you know, Stetson's a private school. It's not cheap, you know, so it's, it's, your backs against the wall with recruiting when you don't have that kind of funding. So I think this could really be, you know, having that facility and having some of the scholarships and being able to bring in some of these good junior golfers and stuff. And I think it really could. And I'm excited to go spend some time with the guys. And I, and like I said, I talked to Larry and, and, you know, we've been trying to coordinate, obviously my schedule is really busy, but I'm not that far away. And I am, and I am very much, you know, passionate about going to, give what little I can back, right. you know, from experience, you know, and I, I don't, the last thing I would do is, is, is try and tell these guys what they have to do and they got to do things this way and that way, you know, but just some of the tools and some of the, and some of the knowledge that I've just gained from experience, you know, and then have them be able to do it their way with some of that knowledge. Um, but I'm excited to see the facility and I think it, and I think it's just going to be so much easier because I know how hard it is sometimes to go from if they're trying to get to LPGA or where, you know, Victoria Hills or wherever they're trying to go, you know, after classes, because we're, it's, it's a different schedule. I faced sure. that myself, sure. you know, I couldn't always have classes in the morning. Sometimes I had to, but if guys can have a class in the morning, be able to have access to that practice facility and then be able to have class late in the day, you know, it could mean everything for just that little bit of preparation. And there's plenty of days where my preparation was really just about maintenance, you know, and not getting worse because it's like, this is all I have time for. So I'm just going to, it's a maintenance day for me. Um, so I think they're going to be able to, and hopefully I can look at it a little bit and see what, st- what kind of stuff 
can be really useful for them practice wise. And I know Larry's been around the game so much, so he's going to be able to instill a lot of that practice, uh, um, practice coaching, you know, into the play. So, you know, I'm excited to, I'm excited to see their development and hopefully, you know, can keep improving and keep getting better. I know, you know, you said earlier that when guys go to college now or when you were going to college, a lot of them didn't have going pro on their minds. All of these guys now, when they come in, that's the first thing they want to do is talk about going pro. So yeah. what's the biggest adjustment going from being a college golfer where, you know, you're, you're going to class and somebody's taking care of your entry fees and taking care of your practice rounds to now you're going pro where you've got to pay to enter tournaments, you've got to pay for your own travel, you've got to, you know, pay your caddies and you've got to pay for all these other things that people don't even think about. Uh, yeah. They just see the dollars you made and say, man, he's doing great. But, you know, you're probably not bringing home – 30% of that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of answered the question right there. <laughs> um, I know when I, when I first turned pro, I signed up and it was a formerly Hooters tour, but it was called, I think the swing thought or something tour at the mm-hmm. time. And we had, I mean, there was litter. It was littered with guys that are PJ tour players now. Sure. Um, Cause it was before the days of the Canadian and Latin American tour and stuff like that. So guys would play these, these tours. But I remember my entry fee was like twelve hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was lucky that I had money that I had sit, like saved up and stuff to where I could enter these tournaments. But mm-hmm. those things go by quick. If you miss some cuts, you're, right. you know, we're, you're we're bunking up with we're bunking up with uh, you know roommates. Sometimes we're going three deep in hotel rooms on going on a cot and things like that to save money, and and it's just a whole new level of pressure. But you really can't, you just, it's so much easier said than done, but you just can't look at it that way. You just have to be able to tune that kind of stuff out and, and just go play golf because I was, I was really lucky that I, you know, got off to a good start right when I turned pro, I finished fourth, I think. And I remember I made like $11,000 mm-hmm. and was like ecstatic. Sure. Like I was like, this is I was like, this is easy. You know, I finished fourth <laughs> this week, my first week. I, honestly, it was, it was, I had no expectations. I shot like 19 under or 17 under for the four days. I had never shot that in my life, right. you know, but, um, and then I went to the next week and shot and finished fourth again and made like another 10 grand or something. And, you know, that it doesn't always happen like no. that. And I, and I went through stretches where I missed six cuts in a row, you know, and you just have to just, there's going to be lows and there's going to be and it. The hard part is it's like some guys just can't weather that financial storm and it's tough, sure. but you know, if it was, but there's just so many players, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard for if everyone made it, you know, and everyone could keep doing it, then it just, you know, it wouldn't work, you know? Um, so, you know, it's just, I think that is the hardest part is just adjusting to being on your own if you can, if these guys can have a couple buddies, whether it's college buddies, right. you know, that they played against, whether they're at different schools or not, you know, and cause I remember I traveled, I traveled a lot with, uh, my roommate in college, Gabe Costa, who was a, who was a good player on our Stetson team too, right. who graduated a year before me. So we would, we would travel, we would drive, we would bunk up. And that makes it a lot easier is when you're 22 years old or whatever age you are, when you graduate and you're in these towns that you've never been to and you know you're putting up these thousand dollar plus entry fees and 
you know, it, it, it can, and you're driving eight hours to an event, it, it gets lonely. Like it's tough. Like, and then, you know, and there's a lot of downtime in your hotel room where you're just thinking. So, I mean, that's, that, that's the hardest part about it. Yeah. It's not playing golf. It's really easy when coaches driving you tournament to tournament and there's really no consequences of playing bad, right. really. Right. You know, obviously I would never say that because I always put a lot of pressure on myself to play well. But looking back, it's like, you're, you know, you're kind of playing with house money. You know, you're not mm-hmm. going to, you're, you're still going to have food on the table. You're still, you don't have kids to take care of. You don't, you know, right. the life is still so good. You still have all your friends back at, you know, back at school and everything. And I think just embracing, you got to just embrace that, that struggle as much as you can. You know, you just have to break, embrace it because it's not, you're not necessarily, you can't plan on having the Matt Wolf route, you know, or the Ricky Fowler route or whatever, right. where you just go, especially from Stetson, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to, you're not about to get six PJ tour or sponsors invites. So you gotta, you gotta just know, Hey man, this is good. This is going to be a grind, but you gotta love it. Yeah. I always loved it. So you always already, loved it. you've already mentioned it. You've got a trainer, you've got to have a swing coach. Yeah, I'm sure you have, you know, you have got to have an accountant to take care of all all the finances part of it. I'm sure you've got you you have your own caddy that goes with you, or do you pick up somebody at the golf course when you get there? Yeah, I have my my caddy that that I travel with. Yeah. I have my swing coach. I have short game coach. Um, you know, there's you everyone. You have my trainer, yeah. like you said. Well, you have your team. You know, I have. You, you know your agent your man your management mm-hmm. team too and all those people are counting on you to play well yeah i mean that's 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 uh that's true no doubt about yeah. it but that's also never the way to look at no, it no 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 know? certainly not because you you get but inside yes, your own head right. and, and lose it yeah but you're right you're right but you know and they're going to be fine you know a lot most of those my caddy is probably is relying on me more than more than any of the other people because they're working my, with other people as well they're working with other people as well too um you know but at the same time you know you're right and, and i have corporate sponsors that you know that invested me to play sure. well and and all that stuff really should be a belief system you know these people believe in me and they and they are helping me get to this point you know it can be a positive and it can be a negative you know, mm-hmm. it could be an added pressure mm-hmm. and I've faced that and sure. I've struggled with that, but, or it could also be, man, all these people, these people believe in me. They obviously know, you know, that I'm going to have success and I'm going to do well. And that can be comforting in a way too, you know, but kind of tuning that out for the most part and just trying to just take care of business and not make it out to be more than it really is because that's that, you know, that's the most important thing. Yeah. Love Stetson Athletics? Then join the team behind the team. Donate to the Hatter Athletic Fund to help keep your Stetson Hatters at the top of elite competition. If you're interested in donating to provide opportunities for Stetson student-athletes, log on to GoHatters.com and click on the Hatter Athletic Fund link in the Support the Hatters tab. So when you're on the golf course, we'll lighten this up and wrap it up, but when you're on the golf course, you're playing a tournament, and whoever you're paired with, if it's twosome or threesome, how much conversation goes on between you and the other players, you and the caddies? I mean, is it a conversation, or are you guys all just zeroed in and locked in on playing? Uh, it's it's usually a conversation. Um, 
it, and it also depends. It yeah. depends. And the most, and one of the most popular questions I get is who's, you know, who's the, your least favorite guy out there? Who's the, <laughs> you know, who's the baddest guy and who, you know, who yeah. are your favorite guys, you know? And that's a question I kind of dodge sure. because really everyone, for the most part, everyone's good guys, but really it, there's so much conversation. You're out there with these guys for five hours. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of guys, a lot of guys will really just kind of talk more to their caddy, but you can kind of get a sense for that. If guys mm-hmm. want to talk, some guys, you know, if I'm playing with Fred Funk, he's going to want to talk the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, I love Fred, so it's fine, but it's like, but you know, and he knows that too, but it's like certain guys, you know, like if I play with some of my good friends, like, you know, we're going to be chatting the whole time, but it also goes in ebbs and flows too, where someone, if they're not playing great, sometimes that you just got to kind of back off a little bit. The best situation is everyone is everyone. If, if everyone's kind of playing well, usually the morale is pretty good. Everyone's pretty chatty. If everyone's struggling, then it can get pretty quiet out there for sure. I'm sure Um, the the pro apps are pretty much a lot of fun where you're cutting up and having fun with some of the amateurs you're playing with. The pro-ams, you know, that's a huge part of our job, and, and we're not doing that right now because uh, because of, you know, COVID, COVID and everything yeah. going on and restrictions. But that's a huge part of these these sponsors, and they put up a lot of money to support us, and they're the reason why we're allowed to, you know, the fans and, and these sponsors are the reason why we're able to play for millions of dollars and and going out there and ha- showing them a good time and, and playing with them is a huge part of the job. So it can be fun. And, and I've seen a lot of good players and I've seen a lot of not so good players, you know? Um, so, you know, it, I could be playing with someone that thinks, thinks they can beat me. And I could be playing with someone that might not be breaking 120. Right. Um, but we just try and have fun and, and keep it moving. And, and it's an experience that hopefully they will remember. And then they're going to tell people about and just, and, you know, and they're going to continue to support us and support the tournament. So. Have you had a chance to play in the uh, Pebble Beach Celebrity Pro-Am yet? I have, yeah. And how was that? That's That That was a lot of fun. I played with, actually, um, my partner was a guy, Greg Maffei, who's, you know, he, he's the CEO of Liberty Media, so he's a very successful um, businessman and um, great guy. We, we became kind of friends after that, mm-hmm. you know, even kind of, turn into a little bit of some partnerships and stuff like that. Nice. Um, so it's just, you never know. I what you know, you never know what may come from any of these pro-ams sure. and, and typically great people. And um, just walking around Pebble beach is, is such a treat. Um, we made the cut me, me and my amateur, we made the cut together. So it was super special for him. It was his first tournament playing. Mm-hmm. Um, usually when you're a first timer playing in the tournament, they pair you with a first time amateur, a first time amateur. Yeah. Um, so I was my rookie year. So they paired me with Greg, who was close with Randall Stevenson, who's the CEO of ATT, who's like kind of heads awesome. the tournament. And, um, so we, you know, it just happened kind of by chance, but we had a great time and made the cut and people have, guys have played that tournament for years and years. Um, and they've never made the cut. So for Greg to be able to do that with me his first year, and he didn't end up playing last year. Um, he did play over in, in, uh, Scotland at the Dunhill links, which is kind of the same thing that they do on the European mm-hmm. tour. But, 
you know, they do, I will say they waited a little bit heavier in the, in the celebrities favors for handicaps. Sure. Because I think they want a lot of those celebrities kind of making the cut and they want Larry Fitzgerald and Charles and Barkley. Bill, yeah. Kind of duking it out down the stretch, you know, to win the tournament, which is totally understandable. We get, I, I, I understand it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a Pebble beach is an amazing place and always such a treat to play it. So it's just a weird, it's a different atmosphere. You, sometimes you got to remind yourself that, Hey, I'm playing for, for, you know, a $7 million purse and, and, uh, you know, two year exemption or a master's exemption or things like that, mm-hmm. because it can be so light and different because we're usually just so focused and playing with other tour players. So, um, it's just a different playing, playing in those pro-ams is a different adjustment. And you know, I think a lot of the guys that play well are guys that are really sociable guys that are able to, and a guy like Dustin Johnson or something he plays with, you know, he plays with Wayne Gretzky every year, you know, he mm. plays golf with him at home, you know, all the time. So <laughs> it's very, parent, you know, so that, that can be the situation too. But So we'll wrap this up. What are you doing in the next week, week and a half to get ready for the Wyndham championship? How are you preparing yourself for that? And, and how much of the PGA will you watch this weekend? And uh, who's your favorite? Um, I am going to, I'm just going to be working out here. I'm going to try and get a little bit of a uh, little bit of beach time in. It's one of the few things you can still do during this pandemic. Sure. And I live half a mile from the beach. So I'm going to try and enjoy some of that downtime a little bit too, and just practice and just try and work. You know, I'm really feeling very good about where my game's at. So I'm really just trying to hammer, hammer home a lot of the same things that I've been doing and just try and build, build on some of the, some of the changes that I made. Um, other than that, uh, have you played that course before in Satchville? Yeah, I've, I made the cut the last two years. It's a good track, and I, I feel comfortable on it. So hopefully, you know, it has the makings for a good week next week. Um, I will, I will watch some of the PGA. I think, especially because of the time difference, because it's going to be on later in the day. Sure. it'll be, it'll be a little. I'm not going to basically cut out my day to be able to to to, to, watch, to watch it, it but yeah. I also think it's good to. I think it's good for me to watch it too. Um, not just as a golf fan, because I am a golf fan still and I like to watch, but it, it, you know, making myself watch it kind of gives me a little bit more, you know, of an edge and motivation to, to get out there just as a competitor, you know, I just, I want to be playing. Um, so I think it'll maybe force myself to watch a little bit to, to kind of fire me up a little bit. And, and it maybe it may turn into some late range sessions after I watch <laughs> Some of my buddies, you know, making birdies or something. So, so Brooks Kepka is the defending champion. Who's going to win it this year? It's hard to bet against Brooks, honestly. I, I, uh, I think, man, I just, it's hard for me not to say Brooks. I think JT's obviously playing great. Um, Rory's always a favorite. You know, the the handful of Xander's Xander's a good pick too. Mm-hmm. But if I if I had to pick, I, I'd say Brooks. I mean, I think after the way he played last week, he showed all the signs. You know, I look he showed all the signs that he's rounding right in the form right now. And the guys won the last two. And yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you just it's hard to bet against him. He looks like he's now he's kind of really back in form. And I just think it's just it's kind of got all the makings for just being the perfect time for him. Well, I know speaking for all of us here at Stetson, we can't wait to see the day that 
we see Sam Ryder in that uh, last group on Sunday playing for a major championship because I know it's coming. It's going to happen. So uh, we're we're looking forward to seeing it happen. And man, it's been great to catch up with you today and have you on uh, Hatter Chatter the podcast. And uh, looking forward to seeing you play next week at the uh, Wyndham Championship. Thanks, Ricky. Appreciate it. All right, Sam. Thanks. Best of luck and thanks again for having being on. And uh, we'll yeah. see you soon. Got it. Thank you. And that'll do it for this edition of Hatter Chatter, the podcast presented by Insight Credit Union. I'd like to thank all of our corporate sponsors who make it possible for Stetson University and Stetson Athletics to provide our more than 400 student athletes a quality experience on the courts and fields of competition in the same way the faculty provides all Stetson University students a quality educational experience. Those sponsors include, of course, our presenting sponsor, Insight Credit Union. Other sponsors include Florida Public Utilities. Visit askforgas.com for more information. GEICO Insurance. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com to find out how. Advent Health. Visit westvolusia.com. Old Florida, new vibe. Coca-Cola Beverages of Florida. The Alliance Community for Retirement Living. Bud Light, the official beer of Stetson University. Florida Orthopedic Associates. If it hurts, see them first. Hampton Inn and Suites of Deland. Imageworks, your one-stop corporate identity shop. Main Street Community Bank. Familiar name, familiar faces, familiar bank. Morningstar Storage, the space you need, the way you want it. Orlando Sanford International Airport. Visit flysfb.com. Simpler, faster, better. Total Comfort, the name you can trust and Weston Lake Mary, Orlando North, for a better you. Thank you to all of our corporate sponsors.